welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Tuesday of the 28th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after, and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. When Christ freed us, He meant us to remain free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It is I, Paul, who tell you this. If you allow yourselves to be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you at all. With all solemnity, I repeat my warning. Everyone who accepts circumcision is obliged to keep the whole law. But if you do look to the law to make you justified, then you have separated yourselves from Christ and have fallen from grace. Christians are told by the Spirit to look to faith for these rewards that righteousness hopes for, since in Christ Jesus, whether you are circumcised or not makes no difference. What matters is faith that makes its power felt through love. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let your loving kindness come to me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness come to me, O Lord. Lord, let your love come upon me, the saving help of your promise. Do not take the word of truth from your mouth, for I trust in your decrees. Let your loving kindness come to me, O Lord. I shall always keep your law forever and ever. I shall walk in the path of freedom, for I see your precepts. Let your loving kindness come to me, O Lord. Your commands have been my delight. These I have loved. I will worship your commands and love them and ponder your statutes. Let your loving kindness come to me, O Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. The word of God is alive and active. It probes the thoughts and motives of our heart. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. 
Jesus had just finished speaking when a Pharisee invited him to dine at his house. He went in and sat down at the table. The Pharisee saw this and was surprised that he had not first washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, O you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and plate, while inside yourselves you are filled with extortion and wickedness. Fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside too? Instead, give alms from what you have, and then, indeed, everything will be clean for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know why this sticks out in my mind quite so much. Um, perhaps I'm just in a bit of a nostalgic mood, but it goes back to the time when I was in Rome in the seminary. Um, and a bishop from Australia was visiting, and he said, Look, lads, um, come to St. Peter's Basilica first thing in the morning. We'll have mass together, have a quick bite of breakfast. Then I've got to escape because I've got meetings in the Vatican. And I don't know if you've ever been to St. Peter's Basilica first thing in the morning, but it's quiet. And a lot of the sort of hustle and bustle and, and low hum of the tourists, it's not there. And, and so it's, it, it's really lovely. Anyway, we finished Mass, which was a beautiful experience. And then we went to a cafe just around the corner. And the bishop grabbed a cappuccino and a quick little croissant and stuck it in his mouth and took a bite. Now, I don't know why this made such an impression on me. But one of my fellow seminarians looks at the bishop and says, Are we going to say grace? And I was kind of embarrassed because he literally had the croissant in his mouth just as he said it. (laughs) And uh, I thought the response was really brilliant. Uh, Bishop just looked up and said, we just had mass, took another bite, took a sip of his coffee and then left. I thought to myself, you know, what's the point in embarrassing the poor bloke? You know, he's just paid for your breakfast. (laughs) But... What was this seminarian actually doing? Was, you know, did he really think that this bishop never said grace? Or that, you know, this was just an area in his life where he was being neglectful? Or this, I think, was probably more the point. That he was pointing out how good he was at maintaining the religious practices, even when things get a little bit rushed. You may forget, but I never forget. We didn't have a word for it at the time. But that kind of accusation, which is there in order to point out how good we are, uh, is called um, virtue signalling. And I mean, it was a classic case. But the reason why that memory, I think, perhaps sticks out in my mind at the moment is because it sounds a whole lot like the gospel, doesn't it? So Jesus goes and visits a Pharisee, he's invited around for dinner, um, and doesn't do the customary ablutions. He doesn't wash his hands before... Um, beginning his meal. And then you get that kind of snide questioning, I suppose, from the Pharisee. It's like, oh, not washing your hands, hey? What makes you think you're above the rules? It sounds like that sharp little question. It's like, aren't you going to say grace? Now, I don't know if Jesus was having a bad day or what, but this Pharisee really poked the bear. (laughs) You Pharisees. You clean the outside of carp and plate, while inside yourselves you're filled with extortion and wickedness. Does that sound like a bit of an overreaction? Well, maybe not. I mean, he's criticising Jesus for not observing this custom. But, mate, what aren't you observing? 
You're worried about the cleanliness of my hands when you should be concerned about the cleanliness of your heart. He says, you guys are filled with extortion and wickedness. Clean that up, mate. That's what you need to be working on. It makes me think that, you know, the bishop in Rome probably would have been justified if, you know, having been challenged about why he didn't say grace, could have turned around and said, mate, how about instead of criticising me, you thank me for your breakfast and then shut your mouth. (laughs) Actually, I think I would have enjoyed that. Uh, And I reckon the disciples are loving this little interchange between Jesus and the Pharisee. Because for once, the disciples aren't the ones in the gun sites. But Jesus introduces then this interesting dynamic between the inside and the outside. Because he's been criticised for not cleaning the outside. Well, he criticises the Pharisee for not cleaning the inside. Did not he who made the outside make the inside too? Instead, and here's his solution, right? This is really interesting. Instead, give alms from what you have and then indeed everything will be clean for you. It's almost like that kind of drops out of nowhere. He says, you're filled with extortion and wickedness on the inside. Okay, the solution then is for you to give alms. And that's how you purify your interior. You let me worry about my hands. You worry about what's corrupt within you. Because God isn't going to congratulate you for having washed your hands before your meal when your heart Looks like this. Ouch. Fair enough. But here's the thing, right? Like, we can convince ourselves that because we wash our hands, because we say grace before meals, that therefore God looks at those exterior practices and is as fooled as the rest of the people into thinking how faithful you are because, well, you say grace before meals. You wash your hands right up until the elbow before eating. God will look at the outside and presume that the inside looks exactly the same. No, God, who made the outside, made the inside too. So don't kid yourself into thinking that you can kid him. No wonder he calls these Pharisees fools. But what I really like here is the answer that Jesus gives to their problem. He says, instead, give alms from what you have, and indeed everything will be clean for you. Now, for starters, I think that's an important point. We often look at almsgiving, these you know acts of charity, of giving money away and, and giving away our time in service, that this is you know us being helpful towards others. You know, out of my largesse, I now bestow upon you the assistance which you need, and that it's really all about you. It's like, you know what? No way. (laughs) Giving alms is what purifies us. I need to do it because of the corruption that's within me. You're actually helping me with your neediness. Uh, So, you know what? Like, don't get all high and mighty and proud in your own charity because uh, those people are actually more help to you than you are to them. Um, So, you know, I think Jesus firstly gives us this little indication that, hey, giving alms, it's not an optional extra, and it might just be that you need to do it far more than the needy need to receive it. But why? What's so special about giving alms? Well, look at the criticism that Jesus makes of the Pharisee. He says that you are filled with extortion and wickedness. Well, 
Extortion is all those ways by which, through force or through manipulation, that we obtain particularly money. So if you're willing to cajole or manipulate other people in order to obtain money, well, what's, what's central in your heart? Not the person, the cash that you can get out of them. So what's the solution? The thing that you want to cling to, that you need to give away. Give alms, says Jesus, and then indeed everything will be clean for you. So I think that becomes an important principle then for us. Right. If we're actually going to cleanse our hearts and not just be content with, you know, our external religious practices by which we wash our hands and say grace and pray the rosary and go to mass, you know, if we actually want to look at the way in which we're in relationship with God and with one another, then we need to examine our hearts for that which we hang on to, and then we need to give that away. Cleanse the interior. So here's the thing. If what I cling to the most is my own reputation, the way that I appear before others, then you know what? I need to give that away. I need to let go of the preoccupation I have to make sure that everyone sees the good deeds that I do and that I do good deeds in order to shape the way that people see me. So do it in secret. Don't let anyone know. Give away the opinion that other people have of you. But what if I'm someone who always needs to be in control and get my way? Well, if that's what's at the interior of my heart, then I've got to give away that power. Maybe what I need to do is go with the flow, not lose my patience, invite others to make plans, and that I go along with it. Maybe what I need is to be obedient instead of commanding. Jesus here gives a remedy which I think you can take to the bank. Whatever it is that you want to hang on to, that we must give away. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you 
the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.